This episode is sponsored by Agent CRM. If you're in sales and tired of paying three, four, or five different companies for your email, CRM, funnels, phone, follow-up automation, check out Agent CRM. It's an all-in-one tool that combines all that you need to reach out, nurture, and close your clients. They've got weekly support calls so you can get up and running in no time. Get a free 14-day trial by going to the link below in the show notes. Hey everyone, this is Dan Wynn with the Intentional Entrepreneur Podcast. I have a very special guest with me today. He's a longtime attorney based out of Minnesota. And today we're going to talk about the employment retention uh, tax credit from the IRS. So I do want to welcome to the show, Mr. Robert Hoagland. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, I'm a tax attorney, Robert Hoagland, and uh, we uh, help a lot of small businesses uh, throughout the country. It's federal law, so I can help a business as an attorney and uh, relative to the employee retention tax credit uh, anywhere, any state in the United States and its territories. I have clients from Hawaii to New York, from Alaska to Texas, and uh, have become very proficient with the employee retention tax credit. Sure. Before we kind of get into the nitty gritty of it, can you share a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are today? Oh, sure. Thank you. Well, I founded my law firm uh, right out of law school in 1990, October of 1990, and began a general practice on my own as a sole practitioner. And then uh, about February of 1991, uh, that's a long time ago, I uh, started practicing specifically bankruptcy, consumer bankruptcy law in Minnesota. In 1994, expanded my practice and hired staff and attorneys to practice as well social security disability law and have grown both practices uh, 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 to a very large extent uh, throughout the Midwest, particularly with social security disability. Bankruptcy, I practice just in Minnesota, but our social security disability practice I have offices uh, in uh, Missouri, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Ohio. And uh, from there off of, I had a lot of, worked with a lot of tax issues in the consumer bankruptcy group representing small businesses and or consumers. And then uh, we found uh, uh, a niche for our law firm relative to the employee retention tax credit, which started in early 2020. And uh, like I said, our, so myself and our staff have become very proficient in representing individuals uh, uh, through the employee retention tax credit. So the employee uh, employment retention tax credit was something that was born out of COVID as a response from the government to help support uh, businesses get them through um, the kind of the downturn of the uh, the pandemic. So can you explain a little bit more about what exactly it is and how it helps employers? Oh, sure. It's a part of the, the CARES Act, uh, COVID Acts. And uh, it's, it's very similar to the PPP loan, which everybody's very familiar with, uh, Paycheck Protection Program, uh, in, in that uh, the nature of this government offering, for lack of better terms, is uh, to put more money back in for qualified businesses, uh, to put more money back in the pockets of small business owners so that they can uh, uh, so that they can keep their employees, keep their staff, keep their company healthy, and therefore it's called the Employee Retention Tax Credit. 
And uh, the employee retention tax credit, again, started in early 2020. And uh, that was an opportunity for businesses at that time to, for qualified businesses to um, amend their 941 tax returns for the last three quarters of 2020 and get a refund uh, based on the amount of wages that they've paid their employees for that period. Um, and then when the employee retention tax credit first started, uh, they had one test to see if people would qualify and they only had one three month period to see if people qualified and that's 2020. And the test that the IRS had was called the gross receipt reduction test. Now, the feds found that they had a lot of money apparently set aside and there weren't uh, as many businesses that qualified uh, for the employee retention tax credit. So they opened up the uh, uh, they opened up the qualifying factors, adding a second test called the nominal business impact test that businesses can use if they don't qualify for the uh, gross receipt reduction test. And they opened up. Uh, being able to qualify for a tax refund based on wages in addition to 2020, second, or excuse me, first, second, and third quarter of 2021. Hmm. So they've really opened up the uh, faucets uh, to be able to get more small businesses to qualify for this tax credit. So you've mentioned uh, qualify for uh, this, this tax credit and, um, you know, uh, as I mentioned before, you know, I saw I saw particular service for uh, for ERTC um, services to help you get um, get the tax credit back. What are some of the maybe you know uh, red flags someone look for? Because now everyone's coming out of the woodwork, right, to provide these services, not just attorneys and tax professionals, uh, but like non you know non these particular areas, professionals, people maybe want to capture this wave, kind of like loan mods back around, you know, 2008, 2009, everyone was going into loan modifications. What are you seeing in terms of uh, what, what business owners should look for when looking for, for a, a service provider to, that is qualified to provide these services to the business? Well, I think they should look for, you know, organizations that are accountable, okay? And uh, with the employee retention tax credit, anybody with a truck and a shovel can do this. Uh, your bookkeeper, uh, your neighbor. <laughs> and it, right now what I see in the marketplace is a lot of non-CPA organizations, non-law firm organizations that are holding themselves out as specialists. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. But um, you certainly... When you're asking the IRS to refund you anywhere from you know twenty thousand dollars to maybe several million dollars, you better darn know what you're talking about when uh, you make that type of uh, decision to hire a company and have the expertise. Now, of course, as you know, as our law firm, we're attorneys, we're licensed, we're accountable for our actions, our work, our representations. And uh, even the IRS has uh, upwards of two or three warnings now that they've issued at irs.gov ERTC uh, saying beware of these third party organizations uh, that uh, are soliciting 
small business owners to qualify for the tax refund and they may not actually qualify. Now, I think where the consumer gets very confused is that under the employee retention tax credit to, to qualify, really what that means is you have a very colorful claim for a tax refund based on COVID mandates that have had at least more than a nominal business uh, impact, or you meet the first test, the gross receipts test, it's a gross receipt reduction test, which is very fact-based, and that there's little likelihood of an audit. And if there's an audit that this these company or companies uh, whom we represent have enough documentation to overcome any type of audit or inquiry by the IRS. Now, the consumers think that when they qualify, that means they amend their tax returns, submit to the uh, submit them to the uh, IRS for that refund because you get paid based on uh, wages that you had uh, uh, paid your employees in 2020 and 21. And they think that, OK, it's going to go or no go. Well, not, in my opinion, from what I've seen is ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time when you amend those tax returns and file them with the IRS, you're going to get a check. They're going to pay you first and ask questions later. And that's where I think the consumers are are uh, confused because when somebody says you qualify, that means, oh, well, we'll submit our amended 941s and maybe they'll take them, maybe they won't. Well, they will take them. And in my opinion, from what I've seen, they will issue a check and then they'll ask questions later. Uh, the feds have uh, approximately up to five years to audit you. Okay. And uh, that can be very problematic for companies that uh, may not qualify. And they may, and another uh, subset of that is, is you get six quarters, the last three quarters of 2020 and the first three quarters of 2021, short of a startup business to uh, amend your returns and get refunds off the wages you paid your employees during those periods. And you don't have to take all the quarters either because hmm. uh, you qualify quarter by quarter by quarter. And uh, um, there's some businesses that don't qualify at all that I bet it. Some qualify two or three or four of the six quarters that are available. Some qualify for all of the quarters. Now, there are two particular tests to determine whether or not you qualify. One is called the gross, uh, uh, gross receipt reduction test. And that is if a company or organization, nonprofit we're talking here too, not just for-profit yeah. organizations, mm -hmm. but nonprofit organizations mm -hmm. that have W-2 employees that were on their payroll and they would have to have less than 500 full-time equivalent employees, of course, to qualify okay. for the small business employee retention tax credit. And so one test is a gross receipts test comparing quarters two, three, and four of 2019 by quarter to quarters two, three, and four of 2020. That business had a 50, more than 50% reduction in gross receipts. They could qualify in a relatively factual manner. Uh, and then you get a second bite of the apple by looking at your gross receipts for 2019, first, second, and third quarter versus first, second, and third quarter of 2021. And if there was more than a 20% decrease in gross receipts, comparing 19 to 20, a decrease of more than 20%, you could qualify under the gross receipt test. That's the first test. Now, the second test is... Uh, is an art, and that's the nominal business impact test. And the nominal business impact test 
is the second test at the IRS. You can choose either test and this in the nominal business impact test. And I'm just being very general here. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to get too far into the weeds is uh, typically whether or not there were any COVID mandates, U.S. COVID mandates that during the periods, you know, you look at this quarter by quarter that were in effect for the last three quarters of 2020 and the first three quarters of 2021, whether those mandates had more than a nominal impact on a for-profit or non-profit organization, uh, their ability to uh, uh, generate revenue or receipts. Uh, so it has to be a nominal impact. Yeah. And I, I, go ahead, sir. Yeah. So I, I think this is where particularly skills, uh, since we're both attorneys, the skills of persuasion where we've been trained and have lots of experience in really comes in handy as opposed to maybe some of these fly by night people who only maybe rely on the first test and, you know, not really taking advantage of the second test where, you know, like you said, as art, you can massage some of the facts, you can be very persuasive uh, and, and, and convince the IRS, Hey, this company has been impacted by COVID and this is why they should qualify for the, uh, the credit. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you, when I vet an organization under the nominal business impact test, um, and this is the business owner's decision to move forward with this, of course, uh, not mine, is, you know, we're very mindful. We, we go through that nominal business impact test. There's several bullet points that we've broken this down into as far as identifying problem and effect, problem and effect, problem and effect. Then we tie it to a mandate relative to the location or geographical footprint of their business. But more so, too, before we move forward with that claim, we make darn sure that we explain to the business owners or the directors or otherwise of nonprofits, you have to make sure you have documentation to substantiate the claim relative to problem and effect and that we have a mandate that we can tie that to. Okay. Mm -hmm. For example, um, under the nominal business impact test, I get from clients all the time. Oh, we shipped all of our, all of our employees home to work. Well, there's no mandate typically in any of the jurisdictions that uh, would recognize a COVID mandate during that period says you have to ship your employees home. Um, there are several that are pretty restrictive as far as the number of people in a building or otherwise, but people think, oh, okay, well, that's a, that's a, a nominal business impact, a problem that you had to, you know, ship your people home. The effect is you had less efficiency, but it's, you can't tie that into a mandate. So you have to be, you know, very, very experienced with the inner workings of the nominal business impact test. And that's why I think it's so very important to have uh, either a, a tax law firm or accounting firm that is familiar, very, very familiar with how that nominal business impact test works and that you have the documentation, you can tie it to mandates um, that the problems and effects were actually COVID-driven mandates that, that, that the, these companies, their clients, their customers, or vendors had to follow that had a bit more than a nominal impact on their business. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. And you've, you've mentioned, you know, attorneys, uh, accounting firms, CPAs, uh, licenses. I remember my tax professional gave me this particular advice that I thought was pretty profound is like, you want to go somebody who's licensed because they have something to lose. Yeah. So when they're doing the work, 
they're standing behind their work. And if they don't do a good job, then they have, they put their license uh, at, at risk. Shifting gears just a little bit. Um, uh, is there, is there a particular deadline business owners need to uh, apply for this credit or is there a limited pool of funds for the credit? Um, as an approximation, uh, there's about a 12 month period left before parts of uh, quarters start dropping off. Um, Cause I believe the statute of limitations is three years or something of that effect. I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but there's still time for people to file. Uh, plenty of time before, you know, some of these quarters start eking out relative to the statute of limitations on amending tax returns. Now, whether, you know, the, the feds will grant any continuances or make that a little bit longer is hard to say. Yeah. Um, so I remember during, uh, uh, during 2008, 2009 with, with the loan mods, uh, there was an issue with service providers taking fees in advance and then, you know, closing up shop the next day. As we see kind of more and more businesses pop up to service ERTC clients, um, what what do you see as as far as as a consumer or business owner? Should they be paying fees up front? Are there firms that do it on contingency? Maybe there's a hybrid. Um, well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what our firm does is we charge on a contingency. We don't charge any fees unless our client gets a check. And I've seen so many different variants of businesses charging clients, some half up front, what they anticipate to get as a certain percent of their refund. Um, I've seen uh, contingency fees range anywhere between 15 to 33%, some 50%. Um, I had a client call me today, actually, that uh, was represented by an organization that wasn't a law firm or a CPA firm. And they were angry because they didn't realize they had to pay a 25% contingency fee. So they're forking over 25% of their refund. Now, you know, our typical uh, contingency fee is about 12 to 15%, depending on the complexity of the case. And I think that, you know, to me, and in my opinion, to have a tax law firm, a law firm, uh, help you. I think that's a uh, uh, very fair and reasonable contingency fee. And um, you know, I'd watch out for, there are others too, um, that, you know, in my opinion, there's, there's uh, payroll companies apparently that are helping clients do this. I don't know how they'll do it, that, but they're charging way, way less. But, you know, on the other end, you got to, you, you know, you, you're going to get what you pay for too, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Then yeah. the other end of the room, you've got the 15 to 30 to 50% contingency fee. So, uh, but go ahead, Dan, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, you, you know, speaking of, of clients and, and going to other uh, firms or service providers, um, you know, uh, sometimes one one uh, one service buyer say you're not qualified, but another one will, will will tell you. So I know you have have done second looks for clients, and you know you've qualified them and and, and not qualified them. So Absolutely. yeah, I mean that's a yeah. two way street across the board. I've had yeah. clients call me and say, "Oh, I just talked to this company for five minutes, and they said I qualify." And then I go through, you know, uh, quite an extensive extensive interview with them. I say, "Look, you you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable making this claim at all. I'm sorry." And typically, they take my advice. And on the other end of the room. There's a lot of companies that that uh, call me up and say, "Hey, I, 
I've been told I don't qualify. Um, and typically I find that these are organizations that only use the gross receipt test. They don't even touch the nominal business impact test. I said, well, there's another test you can use or utilize. And then we very carefully vet that client to see if the nominal business impact test is a good fit for them because they didn't qualify under the gross receipt test, which is pretty easy math for anyone. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but they, a lot of these organizations don't even touch the nominal business impact test. What's, what's the time frame for uh, a business owner to might be able to get some resolution from applying uh, with the RTC? Well, um, like with our tax law firm, we make sure this is a very good fit, in our opinion, for the company, the organization, and make sure the client feels confident uh, that they have uh, documentation to substantiate their claim. And then uh, uh, what we do is we have a portal where the company will upload documents very similar to the PPP loan. Uh, income statements, uh, um, the PPP loan certificates, uh, wages, things of that nature. And we can usually turn around and have the amended return back in the small business client owners' uh, hands within, oh, depending on the size of the claim, anywhere between five to 12 business days. Hmm. And then okay. uh, once we file the amended returns. Now, clients typically aren't getting refunds for four to 12 months. And it's all over the board. There's some clients mm. get their refund within four or five months, others eight, 10 months, sometimes more than a year. Mm -hmm. it, you know, you mentioned there's a cap uh, for businesses that have uh, more than 500 employees. Uh, in your experience, where are you seeing the sweet spot where there, you're getting a lot of um, uh, favorable outcomes uh, for these particular subset of clients? It's all over the board. Hmm. Um, some people that call with two, three, four, five, six, eight employees, which I help. I don't, I don't have any problem with that, that don't qualify. And there's, there's some that, uh, call it have, you know, two, 300 employees that I've, I've turned down. I said, look, this is, is not a good fit. It's, it's really the, the number of employees, um, is probably less indicative than the type of business that they have. Mm. Um, home healthcare facilities, uh, which, uh, is kind of our niche. Actually, we help a lot of home healthcare facilities. Uh, any health facilities are very good. Restaurants are very good. Um, retail shops are a little more difficult to qualify. Um, some, you know, made it pretty good through COVID others did not. Um, I represent a lot of, uh, auto dealerships. And some are good fits, some are not. Um, some, and it all depends on where your business is located because the severity of the, I call it severity of the COVID mandates that some of these organizations had to follow vary by county to county or state to mm. state. Well, so, you know, the, the qualifying factor may be very geographical oriented as well as uh, the industry type. So, so, Basically, you know, maybe places like California, uh, maybe a, more business qualified there just because of the mandates there, as opposed to maybe Texas or Florida, where maybe they not have as restrictive mandates. Exactly. Um, that'd be a hypothetically correct. 
Um, and then what, what that really eats into it too is remember, you know, there are six quarters to qualify you for the uh, um, employee retention tax credit. You have the last three quarters of 20 and the first three quarters of 2021. There are a lot of jurisdictions where the COVID mandates may have ended the last quarter of 2020. And then it was kind of business as usual. Some, a lot of the COVID mandates didn't uh, uh, continue right through the third quarter of 2020-21 as well. So it may not be just knocking them out, but just shorter periods because remember you qualify quarter by quarter. So some of these businesses, let's take California as hypothetical, they may only under certain geographic areas of California and certain industry types only get maybe three quarters of benefits that myself and the business owner would feel comfortable applying for. Yeah. So um, what should business owners who are considering applying for this and seeing someone uh, like yourself, what should they prepare? What numbers should they look at? What should they bring, you know, to the the meeting with you to see maybe if it's even worth it for them to uh, apply? Well, all of our consultations are by Zoom or phone. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the best thing that uh, businesses can, can, you know, can have in preparation for an initial consultation is uh, the starting conversation that we have is their gross receipts by quarter, 2019, 2021, 20, for whatever businesses that they have that they had W-2 employees, typically two or more, not to exceed 500. And that's, that's a good place for a conversation to start. Fantastic. So, hey, we're kind of getting near the end here. Um, are there any other um, thoughts, ideas, advice that you want to share with business owners out there who haven't taken advantage of um, this tax credit that you want to impart with them? Oh, sure. Just uh, buyer beware and let your gut instincts uh, lead the way. Um, about every one of the clients that reach out to me, the first thing out of their mouth is I just, I don't, you know, I, I'm getting pummeled by uh, information overload from other organizations and I just don't know who to trust or where to turn and I just want some straight advice. But get advice from a professional. Um, you know, as an attorney, of course, I'm going to say that, but it, it really is true. It's necessary, especially when you're amending your tax returns. Okay. And you're asking, you know, the IRS to cough up a lot of money. Just just be careful. Sure. Hey, uh, we're here with Rob Hoagland, uh, attorney helping clients and business owners apply for the employee retention tax credit. Uh, We're going to wrap this up. But before we finish out, we're going to go through a rapid fire hot seat question about your business. Just answer the first thing that pops in your head. Is that all right? (laughs) Sure. All right. There's nothing X rated. Oh, it's all G rated. Unless you make it that, unless you make it that, <laughs> um, uh, who do you look up to? My family. All right. Um, what's the best business advice that you've ever received? Be straight up with people. Uh, what's the best business book you've ever read? That's a tough one. Um, there's a lot of good business books I've read. Uh, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. I'm going to pass on that. All right. right. If, if you could do one thing over again, what would it be?
I could do one thing over again, what would it be? Boy, that's a that's a tough one, Dan. Gee whiz, there's a lot of things I want to do over. I want redos on everything. Oh, I probably spend more time with my family. Um, so uh, you lose everything, and the only thing you have access to is uh, a computer with internet and a cell phone. How do you rebuild your business in 30 days? Well, I think I would reach out to all of the most wonderful people that I've developed close relationships with over the past 32 years with uh, business relationships or otherwise. And uh, I would uh, ask for their help to help uh, build a new business of one sort or the other, whatever is a good fit. All right. Uh, two more questions. Um, uh, have you heard the term three feet from gold? I have not. Okay. So the, the story goes, there's a prospector. He hears about gold. And so he buys a plot of land, buys all the equipment, digs, 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 digs. Finally, he kind of just gives up and sells his land and his equipment to the next person. That person uh, only digs three feet and hits a, hits a vein full of gold. So as a business owner, how do you know when it's time to pivot? How do you know when it's, when you're only three feet from gold? Well, probably when you're working too many hours in the day. <laughs> Very good. All right. And a last question. What's the biggest challenge in your business today? Uh, I think, you know, like 99% of the business owners that I talk to throughout the company, throughout the country for ERGC is hiring, hmm. you know, hiring, hmm. acquiring and keeping, you know, good, hardworking people. I miss that. All right. Thank you again so much, Rob, for your advice on ERTC. Um, we'll put all the uh, uh, contact info in the show notes. But, you know, if, if someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to reach you? Uh, by email or cell phone. Okay. And well, anybody can reach out by cell phone to me day, weekend, evening. I'm, I'm always around and more than happy to help small businesses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If it's okay, right with you, we'll put the, that information out on the show notes. Um, thank you again so much for your time. Hope you're staying uh, uh, warm up in Minnesota and uh, hopefully we can get to talk again soon. Thank you so much. All right.